0: Three ball game over. Yankees win, and it's perfect because the greatest closer in history now has the most saves in
1: history. Two out.
0: Listening to from the clubhouse, a baseball podcast, and that worked. All right, we're back after a nice little time off. We took a like a week off there, which is honestly pretty good for my sanity because um, I wasn't in the right headspace that uh, last last week. I was I was. Um, I was going through it. And as you can see, I'm not wearing anything Yankee related today. So and I did
1: that purposely. So we're back. <laughs> we needed it. This last week has been a whirlwind for for us. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's 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 been crazy. And there's a lot going on both in the baseball baseball world and in the real world um not that the baseball world isn't the real world but um sports it's is the great. only real world yeah it's not the only real world no it is but, the only real world oh it is oh, okay i guess it's the only real world so in the fake world um but but uh it, it's good to be back and we're finally here at world series weekend um this is pretty exciting between the tampa bay rays and the dodgers the first one of these two uh people one of these two teams will win the first world series since 19 what was it 1998 I mean the Rays haven't won a world series 88, 88, 88, 88. sorry 88 um the Rays have not won a world series in their franchise history and the Dodgers last one in 1988 so it's going to be a pretty pretty big day for both of them either a curse is going to end or a team's going to win their first championship again and I, I was looking at the stats actually a couple of days ago if the Rays win this will be the I believe third or third fourth or fifth time i don't remember the exact number where a team won back to back both teams hadn't won a championship before they won and the last one was like 2010 and 2011 i believe it was the diamondbacks and the angels i could be wrong but it's something like that something like cool stat like that oh, but, that was
1: like early 2000s but yeah yeah yeah
0: it was, it was early 2000s but um either way i thought that was that was just a pretty cool thing to mention
1: um so we'll see maybe one of them
0: might win it that'll be pretty cool to see
1: yeah, I I I I think we all had the Dodgers coming out of the National League. And although the Rays um came out of had the best record in the American League during the regular season, I don't know how many people actually saw them getting here. So definitely um definitely uh-huh. should be definitely should be interesting. I'll hold my prediction until the end of the episode because we gotta talk about what happened first. But uh this World Series is is different it's two teams that kind of operate differently Mm -hmm. in a way. And sometimes like you kind of scratch your head at what they do because you don't really understand it, but they're here. So. I would say I saw
0: someone say that like this matchup is like an analytics person's best dream as someone who's like been getting a lot more into analytics as the times goes on. I would actually argue that the Dodgers aren't necessarily that team. They might have the backing in terms of how they create their team, but like Dave Roberts compared to Kevin Cash, I feel like Kevin Cash is a more analytically minded guy. Like when he took out um, uh, he took out Snell, right, after facing the order twice. And, oh, he, he didn't finish the order the third time, but he went through some of it. Like that is is the analytics, like number one rule, that a starting pitcher should not face the order three times through. They should, after the second time through, you should take the starter out, no matter if it's the third inning, the fourth inning, the fifth inning, or whatever. Take them out and put the bullpen in. And now, traditionalists say that that's crazy because you want your start to get length and you don't want to kill your bullpen. But that's kind of the the, the methodology of, of analytics. So I'd say that Kevin Cash is way more analytical, analytically centered than Dave Roberts.
1: Well, I would say that maybe it's not, but it's definitely a new school style of thinking. Like old school, old school style of thinking. And really what I, I would have done yesterday was like, I would just, you know, like, whoever your best guy was available. So obviously Walker Bueller is your best guy, but he was unavailable because he just pitched game six. So whoever your best guy is available, you go out there and you kind of let him go until Mm -hmm. he can't go anymore. But the Dodgers, they, they have like, like four different guys pitching yesterday. And there was times where I was like, I mean, we were texting back and forth. There were times where I was kind of like, and I said this about the Rays in game seven too. It was like, I get that's what the numbers say you should do, but I, like, from what, like, the, like, just from what I'm, like, I don't get it, but, um, I mean, they're here, so, and I'm not yeah. a major league manager, so they know better than me, but.
0: Also, I said Blake Snell last time I meant to say Charlie Martin. Um but, yeah, no, so, they, okay. and you have, I mean, they kind of employed that strategy against the Yankees in the ALDS when they brought Glasnow back in, even though he was on, I believe, two days rest, and and they pitched him against the yankees for like an inning or, an, or an inning or so uh before employing their raise-esque uh, strategy and it paid off um and so i mean like there's that type of you know they do it that way as well um again i, I think that you're right where you kept saying to bring in bring in Kershaw right and Kershaw was on what Kershaw was on 3 days rest Four
1: days for no three, three yeah, days, three, yeah. Three, three, I think. Yeah, some
0: somewhere like three, three, two days rest and and just short, but pitchers do it in the playoffs all the time. I mean, Garrett Cole did that for the Yankees, S- Snell, uh, not Snell, Glass now did, did shorter for the Rays. Um, and so it is possible. And like you said, that might have been, and maybe even an analytical pro- or Kevin Cash approach might have br- been, you know, this is game seven. We're bringing in our best pitcher, even if it's, if it's for two innings or an inning and a half, we'll bring him in and then we'll just sort out the rest of the bullpen. And the Dodgers didn't do that, but I mean, it worked out, but we'll see if that's something that Kevin Cash might outmanage Dave Roberts.
1: So let's just talk about like how each team got here first. So Mm -hmm. like, I guess we'll start with the Rays since we've kind of focused on their approach. Um, They almost blew a three, nothing lead. Uh, The 2020 Houston Astros almost joined the 2004 Red Sox in the ring of honor and the 2020 Tampa Bay Rays almost joined the 2004 Yankees in the ring of shame. Thank you. um, anyways, you. the Rays survived the collapse. They did not fully collapse. They did not fully implode. They will advance to the World Series. Um, at what point did you kind of like, at what point during that series, were you kind of like, uh-oh. Like, uh-oh, things are coming apart.
0: At well, what point did I think that the Rays weren't gonna, weren't gonna you know, make what it?
1: Point, at what point did you become concerned that the Rays might blow it? Never. You never thought they were gonna lose. Never. You, you never even had a sliver of doubt that they oh. were gonna pull it. Nope. Really? Nope. So if you if you were alive and I mean you were alive, but you were too young to remember in two thousand four, as a Yankee fan, you would have been like, they're not gonna, they're gonna win it at one point.
0: Same thing. Yep. I think I would have had the same logic, um, for the Yankees as well, and that would have shocked me watching them lose. I would have been like, there's just no shot. And maybe that's my thinking where I'm like, if you're just logically, if they were up three zero. Right, they weren't even up 3-1. They were 3-0, and I'm thinking if your team you're up 3-3-0, the other team needs to win four games to win. You need to win one game to win the series. I mean, law of averages. You expect that even if the if they win the next three, that you would win the next one after that, or they win two, you win one, something like that. Where eventually you have to win a game. You're not just gonna like you just didn't win those three by by luck, unless you did. But in this case, they didn't. So I was like, they're going to come back. And there were a lot of close – there were a lot of games where it was very, very close. Uh, game Game four, I believe, was when they lost by one run when uh, – they, um, they lost by one run in game four, and I believe game five too.
1: Game five, Correa walked it off, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so those were games where I'm like, that's not ideal, but that proves to me right now. You're not losing because you're, like, just falling apart. You're getting unlucky. You, you got, you're like, you have this stuff right there. And I think that's the mentality you have to go going into each game. And Kevin Cash, honestly, is a really good manager. And I believe that's the mentality he had going into the game, where he was like, we're not a bad team. We're not collapsing. We're just getting severely unlucky. And that's going to turn around. And it did. So, I mean, the Rays didn't just luck into 40 and 20. I mean, I know it's a shortened season, but they're still a very good team. And they've been on the up and up for a while now. So I, I didn't have a doubt.
1: I still thought, like, On Saturday, I am on the record saying that I thought the Rays were going to win game seven. But that was kind of, uh, I'm only saying that because I don't want the Astros to win. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, because like, here's the thing is that the Astros are experienced. The Astros have been here before. The Astros know what it takes to win a World Series because they've done it once. They've been there twice in the last, in the previous three years. They've been to the last four ALCSs. It's a very experienced team in these types of situations. The Tampa Bay Rays are not that experienced team. I mean, they, they have only made the playoffs once in the last few years. They got swept in the first round last year by the Astros. And they're not a team that historically has been, like, one of the more elite powers. Like, I know, like, it changes year to year, but in general, like, you know, you have those elite powers that are here a lot. The Rays are not that. And the mm-hmm. Astros have been that. So the experience thing was not on the Rays' side. The streaky of like the streak the Rays were not you know exactly rolling coming into that game seven like I don't know I was a little concerned and then I I got very concerned when they put Charlie Morton in the sixth inning because I was like I mean again I know the you don't let the guy face the lineup a third time through but you're winning and he had only pitched like 60 something pitches to that point in the sixth inning I feel like you know, it, it worked out for them in the end, but I feel like I would have just stuck with my best pitcher there because his postseason numbers are great. He's pitching great. The Astros haven't been able to do anything all night. And, you know, it, he, it wasn't like it was bases loaded, no outs in a tie game, and he didn't have anything going. It's kind of just – I don't know. I, but it worked out for him to there, so.
0: Well, I think that the cool quote that Kevin Cash – if it was anything to take from the series, Kevin Cash's quote saying that he doesn't manage with his gut He's like, if, if I manage with my gut, then like, I have no game plan. And I think that kind of captures the difference between like that right there is the difference between old school and, and new school baseball, where, like you said, go with your gut. I mean, um, uh, um what is his name? Dusty Baker for the Astros, when he left Grankian, right, to finish that inning, that he managed with his gut. I mean, even admit that he just, he he said, you know, he just looked, I, there's a quote from him when he was managing um, Scherzer for the Nats or uh, with the Nats. Yeah. Where he said, think, he, yeah. Where he, he said he looked into Scherzer's uh, blue eye. Cause obviously one of Scherzer's eyes is blue one is brown. He looked into his blue eye and was just like, yeah, I'm going to keep him in. Like, that's just like nuts. You know, there's, there's no logic rhyme or reason. He was just like, yeah, I looked into his blue eyes and I was like, his blue eye, and he had it. And he had it like his brown eye didn't look like he had it, but his blue one did. And that's the complete difference with Kevin Cash. You'd say, you know what? We've seen the order twice. Um, they've been getting some hits off you. I think they're familiar. They've been seeing your pitches. I'm going to pull you out, even though you're dealing, because I know that, you know, one big run and that starts something that you don't want. You're in a sticky situation, you know, bringing a reliever with bases loaded one out. So. um,
1: At what point, at what point is that even called managing anymore? Like, like I I get like, there's different logics that go about it, but like, if your logic is kind of just like, you know, I'm doing what the numbers tell me to do, then like, at what point, you know, like, at what point are you doing anything that somebody else couldn't do? Because like if yeah. the numbers, if I'm pulling Charlie Morton because the numbers are telling me to, I'm not doing it because of what I think. I'm doing it because of what somebody is telling me I should do.
0: I agree. And I think that, you know, we're we're again at that crossroads where where managers are, are going to start playing or you know, playing the game of, of chess rather than moving with, with what they feel. And um it's it's interesting because I think when you look at baseball compared to the other sports, I would argue that it seems as though it's becoming easier to be a baseball manager than it is for any other sport, simply because like you said, people are just following the numbers and you don't see as many managers, you know, going with what they feel or putting in the players that they feel um, as opposed to basketball and, and football where i mean, maybe football. I don't, I'm not that familiar with football uh, man, coaching, but basketball just kind of going off what you feel, who you feel might, might work in this particular rotation and stuff like that um because baseball is a very much analytically run sport now people are trying to move towards analytics as much as possible so it's, it's definitely a change um it's interesting it's worked out so far for the race so i can't really complain um yeah <laughs> and they're here in the world series yeah. they played a great they played i would say that they had a great playoff run i do think that regardless of the outcome they had a great playoff run
1: oh yeah i mean of course like if you if I mean, the payroll they have, like what they've been working with, like how they've built this team essentially from scratch, like every year, um, it's crazy how they've gotten here. And obviously their line of thinking is the reason they're here, so, um, you know, but they're definitely a very different story than the Dodgers who who haven't necessarily built their team from an analytical standpoint, because when you look at the Dodgers, They have some of those analytical findings in there like Justin Turner or Max Muncie, but the majority of this team is kind of homegrown.
0: Yeah. Um, I I think the Dodgers – you can argue that a lot of these teams that have been in the – that are in this playoffs right now actually, actually pretty much all of them are homegrown teams. The Astros, the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Rays are kind of – they brought them up. These are guys that they – I mean, yeah, there's some big, like you know, Ozuna for the for the Braves, but like Freddie Freeman, um, Acuna Jr., um, all these like these are people that they kind of groomed and then turned into homegrown talents. And then on the Astros side, you know, uh, Correa, Springer, Altuve. So um, it, it's interesting how how you can see these like big players come up from the ground. Was actually different. Another thing I want to speak about. I guess we can talk about a little later, but just a float in the air, kind of the idea of how baseball works in terms of getting these homegrown players and just, like, relying on their talent in that window. And then when they become really expensive, just letting them go. Obviously, we know what I'm talking about, in particular what I'm talking about, but we'll get back to that later.
1: <laughs> well, I was – I'm also going to say – I was, like, back to the, you know, yes, every every World Series champion ever has some homegrown talent on roster. Like, you can't just go out and buy or, you know, like – like the Rays, the Rays didn't like just find every player they got on the waiver wire. Right. Like they did home grow some of these players, but like when you look at the Dodgers, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Bellinger, um, Kershaw, Bueller, Dustin May, like these guys, Seager, they're yeah. all from the minor leagues and it seems like every year they just churn some new rookie. I mean, even to get Mookie Betts, they traded Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs who were both top 100 prospects at one point Did or you another. Very good. Didn't, I didn't mean, Jock Peterson come from? Yep. Line as well? That's another, that's yep. another. I mean like even thinking back to like Yasiel Puig was another one. Yep. Like, every have. year it seems like they turn out this new star and this year it was Dustin May and last year it was like Verdugo and, and the year before that it was, it was, you know, Cody Ballinger, and the year before that it was Cora Year and the year before, like, Every year, it's somebody new, it's just unbelievable how they haven't won anything yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, they the Dodgers have a hundred percent been that team that's like just right on the cusp, and eventually it's gonna turn. And I think, I think, and I hope because I really want Clayton Kershaw to win a ring, it's this year.
1: So let's let's let, uh, is it the most ridiculous thing ever that he was just straight up not available last night?
0: Again, I think that. Roberts managed with his gut. And the narrative of Clayton Kershaw is that he can't pitch in the postseason. That's the narrative that I don't agree with. I I know people have their opinion. I'm my opinion unequivocally is that I do not agree. But that's the narrative that's floating around in the baseball atmosphere. So if a manager kind of managed with his gut and you know it's a game seven and you know that he has had, I won't say a history, because sometimes it is unlucky, but look at his previous his previous start you know it was like five innings three runs um you might not want to go with him because you see him as the cold hand even though Clayton Kershaw is a general generational pitcher and someone that personally listen I I would feel comfortable with him pitching game seven for me I feel comfortable with Walker Buehler pitching game seven for me but I know he wasn't available but I also feel comfortable with Clayton Kershaw pitching that for me
1: um like I think back to a couple of years ago when the Red Sox were in the playoffs and they kind of had a similar situation. It was, I think, game four in Houston. They had a chance to take a 3-1 lead and they had Kimbrell in and he was melting down as that's another guy who just melts down every time the spotlight is upon him. And um, they had David Price warming up in the bullpen and Price was supposed to pitch the next day, but he was available as needed. And at the time, the narrative was that David Price can't get up for October. Yeah, But the Red Sox had him up anyways because he was the best guy that they had available other than Chris Sale, who got sick from, you know, the whole belly button thing. I mean, that's another guy, again, who doesn't have the greatest playoff history. But, you know, when you when you look at it, it's kind of like even the narrative aside, like I feel like your best like it should be game seven should be or game seven or playoffs in general, where you have the opportunity to take a commanding lead or game seven. All hands should be on deck. Like exactly. because if you don't want to burn him for the world series, guess what? If you lose, there's no world series to burn him for. You're done. You're going home. Exactly.
0: And, and this, this is, um this is kind of you doing the, the new school, the new school logic thing, I think, in, in a good way, obviously uh, where best players should be your best players. You know, those should be the guys that are there. You should, like, he's your best pitcher or he's the best pitcher available. He should be the one pitching this game. Um And, and, I think that too often having that kind of hot cold mentality is is dangerous because I think that like even the Yankees look like the Yankees they would probably say that looking at their postseason pitchers they're like Tanaka is a guy we want to go to and Tanaka didn't have the best postseason. Um and do I think Tanaka is a good pitcher? Yeah, I think he's a good pitcher. Do I think he's a great pitcher? I no. I would say that he's he's over time his talents have dropped off to like a four five order uh, order of the rotation just because rotations have been so talented recently. But they thought he was going to be, so they, you know, didn't start him game two of the ALDS. So that if it was it was one of those must-win games for game three, they'd have him there. And, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that logic, I guess. I, I just didn't think it was the smartest logic to employ. He should be pitching game two because he's your best pitcher available. So in and, in and, and all aspects of things, I think that you should always have your best players who are available play. And if you have to plant platoon for some reason, maybe righty, righty lefty splits, those are kind of real. Um, then you plan to platoon, sorry, in, in left field or something like that. But other than that, I, I think your best players should always be the ones playing best starting nine.
1: Um, other other tidbits that I had from that series, uh, did has anybody ever had like a better stretch than Mookie Betts in right field? He is an animal. Uh, I mean, an animal. Three games in a row. a Game, I think it was game five. The the scoop catch and then the gun down of Ozuna um game six it was the acrobatic catch in and right and then game seven he robbed uh he robbed freddie freeman of a home run i yeah. mean three games in a row he and again people people were picking on him because his back kind of his back did go dormant for a few for a few games there but and i always use this argument with jackie Bradley jr kevin or kevin, kevin kiermeyer it's like you know even if these guys aren't giving you something with him like he saved three runs right there like the the metric stat aside That's three runs right there that if you don't have Mookie Betts in right field, like that's three runs that are scoring there. And the last three games have been very competitive to the point where those three runs for the Braves very much mattered.
0: I mean, defense matters, people, defense matters. And too often we kind of shove defense under the, 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 the rug in favor of offense. And like you said, great example of Mookie Betts where his, his bat did go silent for a little bit there. Obviously, he's much better than than what um, his his you know stats might have said for the ALCS. I'm not in or NLCS. And overall for the postseason, he's had a pretty oh, good yeah postseason. overall postseason too. But that's the difference too, because I have someone like Mookie Betts, and and let's say he's having a rough postseason for some reason, and he does that in right field, you have no doubt in your mind about him being in your lineup every single day. You have no qualms of him being there because you're like you know what whatever happens offensively he's going to make that up tenfold defensively and then when his bat wakes up then he's like he is an MVP caliber player so uh defense matters and and Mookie Betts has the defense and it's just phenomenal I mean the Dodgers just locked out so much and and if I were the Red Sox I, I wish I had someone like that on my team
1: yeah 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 um <laughs> One more point on the Dodgers before I make fun of the Braves a little bit. Uh, I would say that the only person that has ever had a better, that can rival Mookie Betts' stretch is Corey Seager. I mean, I've never seen something quite like, I mean, the only comparison that I have for just like a streak that he's on right now is Daniel Murphy back in 2015 for the Mets. Wait,
0: are you saying that postseason-wise, the only person you can think of this
1: postseason who is close to it is Corey Seager? I guess a Rosa Reina too. But yeah. like <laughs> that guy's I mean, nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's They're really nuts. those three. I mean, every year you have an unbelievable postseason stretch, but like Seager, a Rosa Reina, like it's just it's unbelievable with these two guys. Well, I mean, Seager specifically, but also a Rosa Arena too. Like it's unbelievable how like how locked in these two are.
0: You know what what really frustrates me is if the Yankees had advanced it would have Carlos sand would be the one that we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that would that would be assuming that he wouldn't like tweak his hamstring like walking out to right field. Hey,
0: something. hey, he played he was our MVP yeah. by far. So or or Garrett Cole, but yeah, you know, it's, it's true. And and like you said, I mean, Arozarena is just no, I, th- I think they're calling he's him. He's even
1: a, more unbelievable because Seeger. At least you could see this. Like I had never heard of Randy Rosarina before. I was about to
0: say the same thing. I think I
1: believe he's a
0: technically a rookie this year. Yeah. Yeah, because last year he didn't. He plays, but he didn't. He didn't cross the minimum for at bats or or plate appearances. So he's he's a rookie this year. And my gosh, I mean, I know it's a sixty game season, so it's hard to really evaluate his, you know, what this is, but. He had a good year this year in a six-game season, and then it translated over to the postseason. So there's something here. Like there is something here. Um, he's not gonna, I don't think he's gonna win MVP um not MVP, rookie of the year, because that's um
1: regular season award. Yeah, what it's a regular season award, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean he still had a good rookie season, yeah. So uh
0: yeah, this is a diamond, another diamond in the rough for the Rays. And he's just been absurd, absolutely absurd. He's everything they could have hoped for. His postseason line, seven home runs. I mean, that's crazy. It's postseason. Yeah. This is his first postseason. Or no, I think it's the second actually.
1: But he was on the Cardinals roster last year, but like he was like not in factor.
0: Yeah. But um still, this his first one being a part of the roster. Um absolutely nuts. I, I think now that I'm not now that the Yankees aren't actually facing him, I can admire his talent and that kid is special.
1: So um I saw this number last night. It was a number that Jason Stark from The Athletic tweeted out Wednesday. um, And it was about both the Rays and uh, the Braves. Um, So the Rays had a 3-0 lead. Eventually it was a 3-1 lead. And the Braves took a 3-1 lead coming into this, or took a 3-1 lead in the NLCS, ended up blowing it. Um, Coming into these two series, teams that had taken a 3-1 lead in a championship series, whether it be AL or NL, do you know what their record was in that series?
0: Teams that took a three-one lead, you said?
1: Yeah, teams that took a three-one lead. Do you want to know what their like how many times they won out of a certain, you know?
0: I'm gonna say they were I don't even know. I'm uh seven and one.
1: So it's happened 31 times before <laughs> this series. It's happened 31 times. And teams that took a 3-1 lead we're coming into these two series so these two series aside we're 28 and 3 28 and 3 28 to 3 in favor okay. 28 to 3 does that sound familiar
0: yeah it sounds Batman like the NFL falcons fan? falcons score right
1: yeah it was like when you saw that number it was just it was unimaginable to think that the braves <laughs> were even going to were even going to have a chance to to win that like what type of curse is that like the sorcery
0: Oh, that's nuts. Oh, I didn't even connect the dots because also the Braves are from Atlanta. I wasn't thinking the Atlanta connection.
1: So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Atlanta. So 28 and 3, which is which is incredible. I mean, the fact that it like it 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 only happened three times that a team was able to win three straight when falling down three one. Like that's insane. Um and it's insane to think about too that the Red Sox were in two of those three situations. Um they beat the Yankees when they were down 3-0, and then they beat the Indians three years later. But like 28 <laughs> i mean poor atlanta sports fans i mean the the falcons the braves get knocked out every year i mean uh, georgia football hasn't won anything since 1980s and they're crazy for georgia football down there i mean it's gonna stink to be an atlanta sports fan but i think there's only like 10 of them so
0: yeah yeah i was gonna say it's not really that big of a market anyway got the the hawks basketball um
1: yeah, it's just, it's just not great. It's just a city of nothingness in terms of sports. Um, uh, and then they also have the worst Will Smith, which was the... like the matchup oh,
0: of the century. Will Smith versus Will Smith. Better than the Gemini movie that he came out with, that the actual Will Smith came out with.
1: And, and not only that, I think people forget that that had happened before. Like, they faced <laughs> each other last year when the Will Smith from the Braves was originally pitching for the Giants. He struck out Dodgers, Will Smith. The yeah, dodgers I, Smith exacted his revenge on the national stage. But that wasn't a
0: that wasn't the, the the CS series.
1: No, that was a regular season matchup. Yeah, yeah.
0: so it's it, it's different in the playoffs.
1: No, but like people were like, "Oh, oh, oh!" I was like, "This has happened before." This oh yeah, I'm, before. I'm sure this it is a rematch. Yeah, this is I'm sure a it rematch.
0: or before like they they played in the same division, playing the same league, so I wouldn't be surprised if they've crossed paths. But it's, it's kind of cool when it happens on like the big stage like that. Um, but yeah, that's it's. It's so funny that the that that like, the Braves just couldn't close it. You know, we kept talking about disappointments in um, like throughout this postseason, and the Braves like, I'm not gonna say they're a disappointment because it's tough
1: to say it, but it, they kind of are.
0: Yeah, I, I don't wanna say it because they're a good team, and and they have a lot of promise, and they have an MVP. They have two MVP caliber players on their team, but um, one in particular. Who like legitimately might win the MVP this year, Freddie Freeman? Yeah. Um, but they just haven't done anything, and 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 you hate to see it. They got two of the most attractive guys in the world on their team, Dansby Swanson and Max Fried. Uh, and it's just you know, it's just constantly um, disappointing. For, yeah, uh, but I don't want to say that again because because they are a good team.
1: I mean, I. I picked the Dodgers to win this, like to win the National League originally. I picked them to win in this exact, like I picked, I originally predicted that the Dodgers and the Braves would face each other in the NLCS. So, the fact that the Braves lost to an inferior team, which they, I mean, the Braves were the inferior team. I'm sorry, they lost to a superior team. It's not disappointing. But when you go up three one, at that point, it doesn't matter how much better the other, like you should win that series. Like you've proved so far that you can beat this team. And the lose three straight games in the fashion they did, they were all competitive games. They were winning in the last and and they were winning in two. They were winning in game five before Will Smith defeated Will Smith Mm -hmm. in hand-to-hand combat. And then they were winning game seven. They jumped on top early and they were winning at a couple of points throughout the game. And they blew all the leads and the offense fell asleep. They only scored seven runs in the last three games. And here they are. It's a disappointment, really. It is. Like, it's tough to say. I don't want to say it because they had a great year, and they did. They finished pretty much where everybody thought they would. It's a disappointment, though.
0: The only logic that I can have is that Rob Manfred went to the teams, and they were like, listen, we can't have Tampa Bay and Atlanta be our two markets for a World Series game. Like, it just cannot happen that we have a Tampa Bay market and the Atlanta market facing each other. We need one of the other, like we need a Houston market or a Dodgers market. So if the Rays lose, the Rays win, Dodgers, you got to win. Like that's the only way I can explain it.
1: So uh, World Series now, we'll preview. Uh, I have my thoughts on this series, but I'll let you go first.
0: Well, I think you put it uh, the other day when we were, we were texting about it, you put it in, uh, in, in a great – you said it uh, in a perfect way. The Dodgers are in their third World Series in the past four years. Sorry. Yeah, third World oh, Series you're right. yep. in the past four years. But this is the first time where they are the better team. They faced the, the Astros in 2017. And we can pretty much kind of say, even though,
1: yes, the Astros did win, but we could kind of say before then that the Astros were the better team. I mean, they beat them in seven with cheating. So at that point, they were the better team. But yeah, <laughs> at that point, the, before we knew the, they were the big cheaters, they might uh, not win anymore. But you know, the, advantage the Red was Sox, in. Yeah. yeah.
0: The Red Sox in 2018, and the Red Sox were by far the best team in the league. That was, That's a historical, for me, I think that that's a team of like a team of the decade. Like one of those, like when
1: you look up, oh, the, yeah, oh, yeah, the, for the team, sure. Like, that's one of the teams. I mean, definitely. 108 and 54, they go 11 and 3 in the postseason. And yeah, no, that that team was mean, disgusting. Like, I mean, that, it's, that's, it's,
0: yeah. I couldn't even really be mad that the Yankees lost them because I was like, this team is incredible. Um, And now this year, but this again is the first time they are the better team, even though the Rays are, we're the better, te- best team in the AL um, and have the best record in the AL. Um, I, I just don't think talent wise, they are better than the, than the Dodgers. And it's it's gonna be interesting to see. I have the Dodgers. I, I think Kevin Cash is gonna manage like the hell out of this, this series. And I think he's really gonna make them competitive just because I think he's a great manager and Glasnow is a good pitcher. And I think that's gonna be a big thing for them. So I'm gonna say the Dodgers in six. Yeah,
1: I got the Dodgers too. I don't see it being ultra competitive and here's why I just don't know how the like the Rays managing style the Rays way of doing things is gonna because it's gonna work against a team like the Dodgers because it, it works against teams that you're better than but this Dodgers team is not like any team they faced so far this this season as postseason where like the Rays managing style is essentially like we hope everybody's on their a game because you're kind of rolling with like three, four, five different pitchers in a game. But like, say the Dodgers, the Dodgers lineup top to bottom is scary. And say like one of these guys, you know, the Dodgers get to them well, all of a sudden. The game like Dodgers won. I mean, yesterday they kind of you know stole a home run their way into anyway. it. But in general, they won a lot of these games in the NLCS based off of one big inning. Like based off of them being able to get to a guy. Like game six, they scored three runs in the first inning, and that was all they needed. In game in game four. Game three, they scored eleven runs in the first inning. Like they they won a bunch of their games with just off of one big inning. That's all they needed. I mean, the Will Smith home run that that was three runs. That's all they needed right there. They won that game like four three. So if the Rays the Rays have to hope essentially that every single one of their relievers is on their game because the Dodgers if the Dodgers get to one that could be game over. Especially considering the fact that talent wise, like lineup wise pitching wise the Dodgers are probably top to bottom in both facets of the game better
0: yeah um but I mean I I, I think that the like the Rays logic worked for the Yankees right um we kind of both said that the Yankees were the better, best team in the American League talent wise right and and better lineup maybe not better pitching but in total they are a better um team than than the Rays are and the Rays you know, enacted their strategy and it worked. I mean, it it was a close game five, but still it worked. And I think that even the Rays themselves would argue that, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope within their offense, right? Like the Rays offense, this series, um, I believe they had like a sub 200 batting average. I know batting average is an end all be all obviously because they won. But But
1: for small sample sizes, it does kind of matter a bit. If you're taking a small sample size into consideration.
0: I would say like for a big sample size, it matters. Batting average.
1: I mean, batting like, average, batting average for small samples, I take into effect more. Cause it's like, it doesn't take into account like walks, like over the course of five games, like how many walks are you going to draw that like your batting average is wildly different than something. You like.
0: know, what What I, what I mean is that like, you know, if you take a player right and examine his, his five games and a player goes like, you know, has a batting average in the five games of, of, you know, 0.125 but within a span of, that's even a season, 162 game season. His batting average might be 300.
1: Yeah, so- no, but I'm saying like what I was saying is I'm like, oh, this guy hasn't been hitting well over the last week or so. Like in the last six games, he's only hitting like 200. Like yeah. that's all. But like I'm not gonna say like, oh, this guy. Oh, like I'm not gonna like if a guy hits 260 over the course of a season, like I'm not gonna be like, oh, that's not great. But like if he hits like 200 over the course of a week, like I'm gonna be like, all right, well he's not hitting well lately. Oh
0: yeah, I mean, and, and again, that's what that's kind of what like, the point I'm making where I think the Rays. Yeah didn't hit well in terms of small ball or have a small ball, but um, they got the job done and they got it done off off homers. They got it done off timely hitting. And um, there's, there's a, there's, again, an analytical logic to it where they say that in, in the, in postseason play at the end of the day, what's going to win games is the long ball. You know, when you have a pitch, when you're going against, when you're going against the best of the best in these situations, like you said, having those big innings is what really matters. You get a couple, you structure your lineup so that you can get that big inning every, you know, every third inning, let's say. You know, you have your leadoff guy who's a high OBP guy get on base. Your your second guy is supposed to be your best hitters. Let's say he hits a double down the gap and your third hitter launches a homer or maybe even he strikes out or something like that. And then your cleanup hitter hits a home run. That right there is a three-run inning for you. So you kind of structure your lineups that way. So you know that your first two guys have the best chance of getting on base and then everyone afterwards has the chance to drive them in without grounding into double plays necessarily. Or if they do ground to double plays, you know that there's going to be a runner on third anyway because they were able to move move
1: over. Um, I would actually argue that the long ball doesn't win you championships.
0: You don't think it wins you championships.
1: Because, like, if it did, then the Yankees would win the World Series every year. Like, the last, last, let's say, I mean, neither of these teams are especially reliant on the home run, right? Like, neither of these teams are. I mean, I get, the Rays are probably more reliant on it than the Dodgers are. But in general, these are pretty well-rounded lineups in terms of hitting. Like, it's not, you know, like, feast or famine. I'd say the last three champions, being the Astros, the Red Sox, and the Nationals, were capable of hitting home runs, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. it's undeniable that those three lineups could hit the home run. But, like, they were able to, like because there are nights especially I mean now they're in Texas so it doesn't really matter but there are nights where you're playing like in the cold northeast where you're not gonna hit a home run you have to find other ways to hit the ball and the 2017 Astros were very good at being able to hit singles and doubles if they needed to the 2018 Red Sox could hit whatever they wanted and then last year's Nationals team I mean I guess they've relied on the long ball a little bit but like I, I think you. I think you need a balance of both because I don't think the. I don't think a home run always wins you championships because you're always facing the best team, the best pitcher on the other team. You got to find a, a way other than hitting the ball 450.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I think these are two ways to look. I think everyone has a kind of different ways to look at it. If you look at last last year's the Astros versus the the Nationals, the Astros out hit them in terms of you know batting average. They hit 272, uh, but they're both kind of equal in home run. So so. Um, if you're talking about who had the better offensive output, I guess you could say the Astros did because the Astros kind of had them in, in, um, OB, OPS and, and and batting average, but the nationals were able to kind of make the most of of their situations. And I think that's where structuring the lineup comes into play because I I always think, first of all, that, that the team that hits the most home runs, not necessarily the, the only, that's the only part of the offensive game, but hitting more home runs than your opponent is kind of part of the the goal there.
1: It's never a bad thing.
0: Yeah, it's never a bad thing. And then couple that with structuring your lineup in a way so that offensively your best players are, are going to be put in situations that allow them to be their best uh is what makes this it makes it even better. And and yeah, both lineups are, are very very kind of good at lineup construction. I mean, Cody Bellinger is hitting six. I understand why he's hitting six. I get that. Um, I, I I know he's better than than hitting six. So, but that's something for another
1: day. Well, I know. What's I up? would say I would say at this point he's probably like the sixth best hitter in the lineup. At that, based on the year they're having.
0: No, yeah, for the year I w- I understand it, but like, if, if this happens next year, I would be shocked. Because if we're looking at hitters, I think Cody Bellinger is the second best hitter on that team. Well, right now, certainly not. Well, not now. Well, not this year. But I sixty games, so I'm I'm always hesitant to.
1: Yeah, but like like sitting in the current moment, like obviously bats, Seager, and then you know Muncy and and Turner. I don't know about, but I mean, yeah, I guess I guess he's probably top two. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, and in like in a normal when he gets back to normal, which yeah, in a
1: normal world, which when world? everybody's playing like they should, he should be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, we hold that hope for that. The the Dodgers also just have a better offensive team than than the Rays, but again, I, I do think the Rays are going to be competitive. They've shown all year long that they're a very strong, fundamental team, uh, defensively capable, offensively capable. Given the right situations, clearly pitching wise, they're capable. So, as I said, yeah, I said Dodgers in six, uh, six right? Yeah, Dodgers in six. Um, what do you think?
1: I I have I have them five.
0: Yeah, than five. Yeah, I was gonna go five, but I
1: don't know. I think, I think the Rays are good enough to win one. And honestly, like the Rays might prove me wrong and win this one. But like when you look at it, the Rays have to work hard to win like every game. Like they, they again, like there's a lot hinging on them winning the games. Like if one pitcher doesn't have it, they're in trouble. Yeah. So they, it has to really be like perfect case scenario. For the Rays to win, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's more possible that it's not going to be the perfect case scenario for them. They have to win. They have to work very hard to win the World Series. I mean, they had to work hard to win one of the last four against the Astros. Like, they worked
0: hard every step of the way so far, except for the yeah. World it's, it's it's
1: not e- it's it's not easy doing what they do. They have to work very hard to do it. So, but I mean, again, they have a shot. They don't stink, but I just think the Dodgers are very much better.
0: All right. Well, hope we'll see what happens
1: um, before we, you know, I was going to say, before we go, I, uh, I found an article today that it's from MLB trade rumors, which is an extremely reliable site. Oh, the one, the one you said say
0: this.
1: Signs point to the Yankees cutting payroll in 2021. That's a shame. All right. So I promised you the rant right on the Yankees. That's a shame. So here's here's my rant see. on the
0: Yankees for people. Tune in because it's about to be like a minute long. Um the thing about the Yankees with me, and, and we discussed this, they had a very structured vision for their future. This vision started in like 2015. I love how you were taking a step, taking a step back and drinking your water as I do this. Uh with the pinky up. Um they had a very, very set goal in about 2015, right? That's when when they were prepared. They were like, you know, uh, kind of 20. 20- 2012, when that was kind of their worst 2012, 2013. And they were ready for it. And 2015 is when, you know, Mark Teixeira kind of lost his job to to um, Greg Bird. And then Gary Sanchez took Brian McCann's role as catcher. And then everyone was like, all right, this is it. They're structuring it. And then uh, Aaron Judge came out. Uh, Derek Jeter just retired a couple of years ago and Didi came in. People hated Didi at first and they came to love him really quickly. It just seemed like pieces were falling into place so quickly. 2017 was essentially a rebuilding year. 2016 was a rebuilding year too. We missed the playoffs. 2017 was a rebuilding year, and they were at a game out of the World Series. That was probably the first playoff loss in a long time where Yankee fans up said, you know what, this sucks. This is really sad, but oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like this is probably how the Astros fans feel Astro fans feel right now, because they didn't think their their team was going to be there considering all the cheating stuff and all the distractions that were going on. And they were a game out of making to the World Series. So it was the first time they're like, you know what, this sucks, but like we got this. Next year we have to be there. Next year, you know, we had the the Red Sox, which were again a team of the decade. And so I can't really blame them that much because I think they did play very well, but the Red Sox were just incredible. Fine. 2019 was abysmal, 2020 was abysmal. And now that window that seemed so wide open in 2017 is closing. And they don't want to admit that it's closing because they think that they still have the pieces. But at the end of the day, like I was saying, when you build teams. Player, uh, people have been building teams with the thought, you know, for how you build baseball players, you have a player in your minor league who's showing promise. You manipulate his service time so that you can get him for a full six years. So he might look good, but you look at the time and it's July. So you're like, I don't want to burn one on half a season. So you bring him up the next year so that you have six full years with him under your contract, be able to short change the person to arbitration. And then they leave. This is essentially what they did with Claybro Torres, what they're what they kind of did with Clint Frazier. Um, but now all those players that they, that they kind of were short chain, they're like, we're going to have six years of them under arbitration under these rookie deals for three years and arbitration for three years are closing. Gary Sanchez is on, I believe is either his second to last is second to last. I believe arbitration judge, I believe has, he was arbitration last year. So two more. Yeah. He might be be on the second last as well. Um, and so that right there is, is that window is closing. They're getting older. Judge's his history injury-wise is not the best. And going off of that, um, he's going to be 30 soon. And it's just going to get worse from when he turns 30. He's not LeBron James. you can't just turn back the clock. Um, they want to get under the luxury tax. Hal, Stein- Hal Steinbrenner is going to keep saying, oh, we got hit harder than every team in Major League Baseball, even though you're the most profitable franchise ever. Um, and they're going to try to get under the luxury tax. They're at 240 right now. They have 130 committed for next year 130 million committed for next year they predict for people predicting based on how their arbitration went last year that they're going to end up spending about 50 million arbitration so that's 180 luxury tax threshold is 210 this year so they have about 40 or uh, 30 million to play with and that that doesn't even count Masi Tanaka, who's a free agent uh Dave Paxton free agent Gigi LeMahieu free agent whose AAV this year is probably going to be north of 20 million so you sign him uh, that's already $10 million gone. So Trevor Bauer definitely has to come to the Bronx if they're serious about staying under the luxury tax. And that means they're going to have to either, you know, qualifying offer to Paxton, hope he takes it, or try to shortchange the two of them, or just ride who they have. Just get DJ LeMahieu and call it a day. Um, it's a tough time in Yankee land. And it doesn't look like it's a tough time, but it is. And it's just going to keep getting worse because they want to get under that luxury tax and their players are going to get start getting more expensive. That window is closing for them to have won with these cheap, players and either they pay up or they retool their rebuilding strategy.
1: There's always next year. There's always next
0: year. <sighs> There's always next year, but like, this is the first, this is the first free agency where it's not necessarily that they need someone, but they need to like, it's going to be kind of crazy just because, I mean, I know everyone's dealing with, with the COVID, uh, you know, real reality of the world now. I get that, but if you don't if you want to get under that luxury tax, it's gonna be really hard.
1: Like the, it- Mar- the American League East has had two different teams in the last decade. So from 2010 to 2019, 2020, whatever. Over the since the Yankees won their last World Series, two teams from the American League East, two different teams from the American League East have made a World Series appearance. The Red Sox twice, winning twice, and the Rays once. And we'll mm-hmm. see what's gonna happen. The Yankees have only won two division titles since 2000 what 10 or something like that
0: in 2010 they've won how many division titles yeah one
1: they, they won in not didn't they win in like 20 2011 or 2012 or something and then again in 2019
0: no definitely didn't win the division title in 2012 unless i am forgetting my history but
1: i'm whatever not... either I... way either way this has been a division where the yankees i mean the yankees have been to the ALCS plenty of times in this day, but they haven't won the division. They haven't been the best team in the division. Like, they haven't won the American League. Like, they've been, dare I say, mediocre. And
0: You're right. It was 2012, by the way. I I was confused because it felt like forever. I mean, if you look at their last, guess what their last AL pennant was? I mean, you can obviously guess 2009. 2009.
1: And and they've been on the doorstep. I think they've lost like, what, four straight American League Championship Series or something like that? They've lost a record, a number of straight appearances without winning. It is an MLB record for those wondering and um, for those keeping a score at home. And now they're trying to cut payroll despite the fact that they were not good this season, they were not good last season, they were not really that good the season before, and they have a lineup built around two of the exact same player they hit big time home runs, they strike out a lot, and now it seems that they're gonna miss the majority of the season every year. Their pitching rotation know. is, their pitching rotation, I don't care what anybody says about it. If they don't add to it, it's if they don't add to this pitching rotation, it's going to be bad. It's going to be their, very bad, their very rotation, bad already.
0: Their pitching rotation strategy is built on, uh, is built on the logic if he performs like this, right? They're saying if Severino is healthy and performs like 2018, 2017, if Herman comes back to full form and pitches to some resemblance like he did last year, even though he didn't pitch that well last year, but he just had a great beginning. Um, if Monty can return back to form. Monty had a good season this year. It wasn't fantastic, but it was good, uh, considering he hadn't pitched in, like, almost two years. If Garcia can build on can build on what he can do. That's a lot of ifs going on, and that's how they've been building on these ifs. If Aaron Judge can be healthy for a full season. If uh, in- he can return back to form.
1: And not only that, they have a manager who's a puppet. Like he doesn't do anything. He just listens to exactly what the front office tells him to do. Nothing proves that more than throwing Debbie Garcia out there for one inning, burning a starting pitcher for one inning, just so you could bring in Jay Happ to throw like what three or four more. Like he Aaron Boone's a puppet. The Yankees need a major philosophy change in the way they build this team because they've been building this team the same exact way for the last four or five years now. 2016 I know it was a rebuilding year, but 2015 they had just made the wild card game. 2016 people forget that the narrative around that team was that they were supposed to be a playoff team. They missed, so they rebuilt and they turned it around for 2017. The last four years they've built this bullpen, this this team around two things: power hitting and the bullpen. The rotation has been bad for four years. The bullpen, like they haven't they haven't been successful. Like they've been a playoff team. They've been good, not great.
0: I, I argue the one, one thing is that I think that the Aaron Boone strategy, I don't hate the strategy. What I hated was the person they enacted afterwards. Devi Garcia, I don't know if he's ready to be pitching that. And honestly, in that first inning, he did not pitch very well. He might've only got one runoff on the board. If he's not ready, then he shouldn't be out there. But I'm, I'm okay with them giving an opener type strategy. Maybe not use Devi as the opener. Maybe use Chad Green as the opener and then do something else. I don't like that J-Hap Jay, that Jay ever entered a game. I don't like – and 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 the thing about that is, is I don't think the Yankees – because people in Yankee land like to say the Yankees are too analytical and blah, blah, blah. I actually push back on that. I don't think that the Yankees aren't too analytical. I think they use analytical, analytics incorrectly. And they try to be something – they try to outsmart teams like the Tampa Bay Rays in, in analytics, but they don't do it right. For instance, a big example of this is when they signed J-Hap over Lance Lynn. They had both players on their team, and after the season ended, they looked at the numbers, right? They saw J-Hap had a two-something ERA and Lance had a four-something ERA and let, Jay, and let Lance Lynn go and to sign J-Hap. But by all other indicators, Lance Lynn pitched much better than J-Hap did but just got super unlucky. And you can see the proof because he's currently in Texas just balling and doing pretty much the same exact stuff in terms of his advanced metrics that he did in New York, but he's getting, his, his luck is evening out. And now he's getting the result that he's been pitching to.
1: I do think that the Yankees are too analytical. And I'm not saying that the Yankees should take their spreadsheets and throw them in the incinerator. What I'm saying is, is that they don't need to be the Tampa Bay Rays because of the New York Yankees. They have more money than that. They're a bigger market than that. There's a correct balance that these big market teams can find between the old school line of thinking and the analytic line of thinking. And nothing proves that more than like what the Dodge, with the Red Sox, excuse me, did two years ago where they brought in Alex Cora, who came from the Astros, who had a very analytical background, and they paired him up with a stacked ro- – like, the Red Sox used the best of both worlds two years ago where they had this, like, they had this stacked roster that had, like, a lot of old – but he also employed a lot of the new school tactics in, like, both and things like this. Like, you know, you know, opener strategies, bringing David Price out for long-term relief, Nathan Eovaldi out for long-term relief, things like this the Dodgers right now are the same way like they, they've kind of homegrown it they found a few of their analytical gemstones like Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Chris Taylor another great one but also like when they saw the need to go out and get somebody they went out and got Mookie Betts like they didn't try to they're not trying anything you know completely like Tampa Bay ask like yeah, they're a little Tampa. They operate a little bit like Tampa Bay, but they're still the Dodgers. They're still going out and spending the money. Like,
0: yeah, and, I mean, and the Yankees definitely spent the money. Like when they went out and got Giancarlo Stanton, when they went
1: out and got yeah, Garrett but they spent Cole. the money incorrectly. Like he's he's burning a hole in the payroll now because he's taking money away from somebody else that that they should sign instead.
0: I don't think Garrett Cole obviously was not a bad move. I think everyone can agree. Sure. that he, he's earned his money this year. Um, what?
1: For now, until I mean, yeah, no, I mean this year one, like, like like the decline is coming. Glim- like, I'm, that's I'm that's right. why we keep talking about the window, the window, because Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton are gonna be eating like sixty million dollars a year soon and they're both gonna be like thirty-four.
0: Stanton, I don't mind just because the opportunity was too sweet there, you know, and, and Miami is paying part of the salary. I forgot what percentage, but they're paying part of it. So the opportunity is too sweet to pass up someone like Giancarlo Stanton. It's it's I mean. He is still one of the best players in the league. And the injury things aside, just you've we've saw it in the postseason. If we can get over that hump somehow of of this injury bug, he's he's an animal. And and Aaron Judge is, I feel the same way. And and I'm sure I might feel differently next year if this continues. And I might be like, we need to do something about these injuries, but I still, I again, holding out hope because once they come back, they are two of the best players on our lineup. The one thing that I don't, that I don't see necessarily changing. And I'll, and I'll say right now is Gary Sanchez. I know they're holding out hope for Gary Sanchez. I know that's what they're, they're doing
1: for now until they sign JT real Muto. And then they're shipping him off to like Pittsburgh or Kansas city or somewhere where he'll just rot. <laughs> yeah, but there's There's
0: been a, there's been so many question marks in his career just from the time he was in the minor leagues too. You know, when he came up, they didn't expect him to, to do that well.
1: He's not good. He provides no value. If he can't hit, which he can't hit anymore, then he provides no value. He stinks defensively. I know, I know, I know. He frames and he caught. He stinks defensively. He's not good. He's back. Not he someone.
0: And like I said, the Yankees are going to keep going after guys like Zach Britton and Adavino, even though Adavino honestly is not that good. But you know, with these nasty pitches, these you know disgusting uh, sinkers or uh, incredible sliders, they're 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 the Yankees are in love with sliders for some reason. They're having Chapman you know, bring it... They, they want Chapman to throw his slider more often, which makes no sense to me because the dude can hit 103 on his fastball. That they drives me absolutely nuts because it doesn't make sense to me.
1: What? He has the split finger now too, Chapman. Split finger, I'm sorry.
0: I said slider, I meant split, split finger. Like, I don't know why they're changing his thing. And Sonny Gray even said that when he was there. He was like, they want me to throw a slider. I don't throw sliders. Um, like, it makes no sense to me. But I digress. If you want him to throw these pitches, these nasty breaking ball that are going to split here and turn here and this that there. You got to have a catcher behind the plate that can block that you just have to. And we saw it in the postseason. There was a pitch by, I believe it was Gary Cole and they got crossed up. And I guess he was expecting a fastball and Garrett threw a curveball or something like that or whatever the pitch was. And, you know, it was in the zone for a strike, but you know, the way that he he caught it made it look like it wasn't, even though it was a strike because he wasn't expecting that. And that itself is is why you need a catcher there that you can rely on. Because the more you expect these pitchers to throw these crazy pitches, the more you need someone who's able to command that backstop. Um, and I'm, I'm ranting a lot because I think Gary Sanchez could have that talent, but I don't know what the disconnect is there.
1: We, it's now been like two of the last three years that the Yankees have entered the year as like one of the World Series favorites and the definite favorites to win the American League. This year, in 2018, Right. Because 2018, they had just gotten Stanton, you know, Judge and Sanchez and all these guys. And the Red Sox knocked them out with ease in the first round. And then this year, the Rays knocked them out. Like, at what point do we just kind of say, like, this? I mean, they're just good. You know, they have, they they can't figure it out. They're just good. Like, something needs to change because they're not, they're not the contender that everybody's, that they seem to think they are. And everybody else seems to think they are. They're just not that. I don't know what their plan is because there's it's gotta, no... It's got to, like, we agree that something's got to, like, something's got to give here.
0: There, there's no, there's no, like, uh, interior or internal options that they're looking at. They're not like, oh, you know, give us a couple, you know, it wasn't like a couple years ago and they are like, give us a couple of years. We got Gleyber Torres there. We got Aaron Judge there. We got Gary edges there. They don't really have anyone that's on the up and up that like that, you know? And when they have had someone, it's mostly been pitching prospects and they've come up and more or less done their job. Um, they're also in love with people like Tyler Wade, who should not be on an MLB roster ever. He should never be on an MLB. And I think they're finally he's an attractive-looking guy. Because what?
1: He's a, he's a handsome guy.
0: That's really he's a like very good-looking dude. Very good-looking, very attractive. But he, the only thing he has going for you, him is his speed. And I get it; speed is important. You've seen situations where speed was the deciding factor, but we don't see those off those situations often enough, in my opinion for someone who's that one-dimensional, because he doesn't have anything else. They say defense. His defense is slightly above average. And it only looks so good because Glaber Torres' defense has been atrocious. But, like, I wouldn't sub him in for DJ LeMahieu. And quite frankly, I hated whenever they, you know, Luke Voigt, it was, let's say, the eighth inning, and Luke Voigt had his last at bat. And so they took him out and put DJ at first and put Wade at second because I was like, Okay, this game might go into extras, and Luke Voigt might have another at-bat, but now that's Tyler Wade. And it happened twice, where Luke Voigt would have been up, but it was Tyler Wade instead, who can't hit for his life. You can throw a fastball—they did throw a fastball 88 miles an hour down the pipe, and he missed it, because he sucks— like he's so bad at the sport of baseball it's it's laughable and i'm not saying that i'm, I'm going to be like some major league player i'm not that good but i know that and i know that the yankees wouldn't put me on their team because i don't have the talents that i that are required of a major league player and neither does tyler wade
1: start spreading the news <laughs> it's just as i makes- that playing in my head this whole conversation it's just the amount of money that I pay you to put this to, to put Frank Sinatra as the outro to this episode.
0: Oh my goodness! I just I, I just don't understand the fascination with Tyler Wade. I just still don't get it. I want to be. I, I don't part understand. of it. And to be quite honest, I don't understand the fascination with, with Brett Gardner. I know he's done a great service for the Yankees. He should not be back next year. Don't resign him. Don't waste your money on him. There is nobody
1: more overrated than that guy. He is, like, nobody, nobody. He has been a bench player his whole career. He's been he, the backup outfielder for his whole career. And for whatever reason, good. Yankee fans has this fa- have this fascination with him. Like, they're going to hang his, like, they're going to, like, throw a statue of him yeah. in Monument Park. Like, he is not, he's never been good for whatever reason. He's just been able to hang around for, like, how long has he been around? Like 12 years at this point? Yeah, like,
0: like 11 years, 10, 12 years. He has
1: to, I. Th- he's got to be like one of, if not like the longest tenured player with their team in the league he right has, now. And it makes team absolutely team. no sense why. Like Joey Votto has been with the, with the Reds forever because he's good. He won an MVP. He, you like, know
0: why? You know why? Because they're literally afraid of, of, of the injury bug. And they've said this, they've been like, he's durable, he's there. And yeah, he plays a very good left field. I'm not going to lie. He's a very good left <laughs> field. The field he, can't hit? He, fast. Oh. But he has sparks of, of being a great offensive player he he still has talents and i'm sure that a team could use him off the bench and maybe the yankees yankees could honestly use him off the bench too but that's where it needs to end on a
1: team that barely scrapes their way into the playoffs he is still like if you're starting an outfield you have a problem
0: it, yeah he's he's the kind of guy that's like okay for, um you're in the regular season Frazier played the past 12 games Let's give him an off day and put Gardner in. Or, okay, you know, Giancarlo Stanton's going to be out for a week. We'll play Brett Gardner for a week. He should not be in there for these major games. And, yeah, I kind of feel bad saying that because he did have a good postseason. He was one of the best players uh, offensively. But even that's a problem there. So that's something else they should address, that why is Brett Gardner better than Aaron Judge, DJ LeMahieu. Yes, DJ LeMahieu didn't get enough slack for his postseason performance, which was abysmal. Um, But I'm not going to complain because, obviously, he's still a good hitter, but he just had a bad postseason. Uh, like why was it not there? And then if we talk about analytics of the Yankees as well, Aaron Hicks should be leading off. And I say that because a- Aaron Hicks has the highest OBP rate after Aaron judge who should always be hitting second, followed by DJ LeMayhew third, because you know, DJ LeMahieu is going to get a hit. Imagine, you know, Aaron Hicks works. He's competitive at bat. That's his thing. He was the highest. He had at one point, he was 20% walk rate this year, but then it, it went down. So he was second place or third. He's constantly the highest walk, one of the highest walk rates in the league. He walks on base. Let's say Judge walks or gets a hit on base. Runners on first and second, no outs. DJ gets a hit. That's a run right there because you have the speed with Hicks. A single into into the outfield, Hicks scores, and that's already a one-run lead in the first inning. And that's what I mean by lineup construction, and that's what the Yankees are missing because they're not using analytics properly. And then Giancarlo Stanton comes up a fourth and hits a bomb. Or let's say he strikes out, which I'm fine with. I'd rather he strike out than not hit a double play. Luke Voigt's up next. He hits a home run. You know, that's the line of construction that I'm talking about.
1: I want to wake up in a- Rant over. That doesn't
0: sleep. Thank you so much for joining, listening in, listening to me rant about the Yankees the past 20 minutes. Um, I have a lot more. I'm gonna start, I should just like tweet them all on my Twitter. Um,
1: you can make an argument that you'd rather be the Red Sox right now than the Yankees. Cause at least the Reds, I mean, the Red Sox aren't stuck in no man's land.
0: I'll be honest. You, I'll be honest with you. Right now, the Red Sox won't be good next year, but they have a future. There's, there's a future there. I mean, That's listen,
1: it. the Red Sox go through these spurts where they're really, really bad, and then they get really, really good, and then they get really, really bad again. I mean, I'd rather be really bad and then win four World Series championships than be pretty good every year but never win anything. Yeah, and this is gonna be. Uh, a time going I didn't through. realize the Dodgers return to New York. Yeah. Well. It's the going Mets to are the new Yankees because the Yankees are cutting payroll and, and Steve Cohen's going to come out and he's going to throw buckets of money at everyone. Yeah, It's a new era in New York.
0: Thank you, Hal Steinbrenner. If you're listening to this, I really appreciate you being skimpy with the your Mets money. The Mets have
1: the nicer stadium and now... now oh, they bro,
0: have, Hal Steinbrenner went to Jeff Bezos' lessons on how to be skimpy with your money even though you're a billionaire.
1: Uh, the Mets uh, have the nicer stadium and now they're going to have the nicer payroll. They're going to have the nicer... Oh, It's a new era.
0: Oh, they already have the nicer stadium. I, I Honestly, I will say it like I when they have subway series at what's the, the um, city field Their stadium is really nice. That's shake shack. I mean, I love shake shack. I mean, it's, it's beautiful there. They have a much I better stadium
1: I've yet. been to. It's like, it's fine. It's it, there's nothing there, you know, it's like, What Yankee stadium. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Than, Yankee stadium just has nothing notable other than the fact that it took me 45 minutes to get into the game. Yeah. They need to do something about those lines. They need it's, there's three gates in the entire place. It was a Wednesday night, six 30 game. We get there at six, 10 and we don't sit down until the third inning
0: yeah those gates are ridiculous they i don't know why they only have three open it makes no sense to me they should add more gates because that would make sense but Uh, anyways anyways thank you all so much for listening um appreciate that rant uh we will be back after this world series uh we'll have a world series winner for 2020 and then we'll be in the off season so we can kind of start chatting about kind of the the major free agents
1: and free agency yeah yeah
0: which is going to be This is going to be one of the biggest free agencies in a while. So I'm very much looking forward to talking about that. Um, Any parting words, Gerald? It's up to you. I knew you were going to say that. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Talk to you later. New York.